Amen. Thank you so much. I think I could have, I could have stood there and just listened to that song and worshiped through that for the next 30 minutes and not felt like I missed saying anything. Um, I, I love the phrasing that song um, where, where it talks about the winds and waves still know his name. Uh, and sometimes it's just such a great reminder that um, in the situations, the circumstances of life, the places that we go, um, everything, just every place that we stand here on earth is somewhere that God um, has already made. <clears throat> His presence is already there. He's, he, he's known. Um, and, and sometimes I think it's just for us to be reminded that we just, we have this privilege of really just living and speaking in boldness about who He is and just trusting in the promises that He makes um, and just really just living in that. So thank you so much again for being here. It's just so great to see you this morning. Um, this morning is actually our last Sunday morning in the book of Acts. And for some people, you might be like, finally, we made it. Um, for others, you may be like, hey, I, this has really been good. There's been some great things that I've seen in this, and, and, I, and I'd like to maybe you know, keep going with, with this book. And the great news about Acts is, is it, it doesn't stop. In fact, you're going to see today, if, if, you're, if you're looking for a book in the Bible that has this great kind of ties up all the loose ends ending, this is not it. Um, in fact, the, the ending of the book of Acts almost seems like did, I'm, you, you kind of go back and reread it. You feel like you missed something. Like surely it didn't just end like that, but, but it's not an ending. Really, it's just this launching point of what we're still part of today. So we're going to get to there eventually in this book. But <clears throat> this has been a great journey through this particular book. Um, and, and hopefully, as you've seen, as we've gone through this together, um, that there is just something just so, so amazing when it comes to how do we really view life um, from the perspective of I'm living with God's presence in me. Um, everything that you've seen Paul do in here, th this is not because Paul um, was just some kind of um, incredible speaker that he just drew crowds all over the place, that he was just this real magnetic personality. In fact, if you read historical descriptions of the Apostle Paul, he was a short, crooked, ugly dude. I mean, like, he, did, he did not impress anybody when he walked in the room. And, and when you really read and kind of see the evidence of like, all right, when he speaks, what tends to happen? There's this great thing when, when Apollo speaks and when Peter speaks, and you just see like thousands of people respond to the gospel. Paul speaks, and he just gets beat up, right? Like, he just get, like people just go and take swings at him. So when you, when you look at what really is, is happening here, and so much of it is highlighted through the life of Paul, um, we, we kind of can leave with a little bit of mixed emotions. But today, I believe one of the great things about how the Holy Spirit inspired this writing by Luke is that it does help us to see um, that, that this isn't about Paul, this isn't about Peter, this isn't about Apollos, this isn't about even the churches that got started. This is just about the fact that Jesus Christ paid for sins, is alive, and in salvation lives in us and through us and allows us to be part of um, God building his kingdom here on earth that will ultimately come in fullness on heaven and on earth. Um, as Where we left off last week, um, they spent some time on this island called Malta. Um, it, we talked about snake bite last week. We talked about just snakes in general. I'm done with snakes. I don't like them, don't trust them. So we're moving on from there, just like they moved on from there. Um, they sailed off. In fact, there was another ship that they connected with, another crew that, that likely wintered there together. Um, and as they teamed up and as they sailed on now, they're now heading to Rome. Um, I'm not going to read the details of kind of how the journey got started, but in 11 through 13, you can read um, some of the specific places that they arrived at. 
But ultimately, as they got into Italy and as they began to get closer to Rome, I want to I make mention here and let's really draw attention to verse 14 and 15. It says, there. Now, now this there is, okay, as we arrived, as we got there, as we, are, as we showed up on the scene, something unique happened. He said, there we found brothers and sisters and were invited to stay a week with them. And so we came to Rome. Now the brothers and sisters from there had heard the news about us and had come to meet us as far as the forum at Appius and the three taverns while Paul, when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. So as he got into this area, um, the, the news spread that Paul was coming in and other Christians showed up. He said when we found them, it was kind of like when he looked up and they, they started a conversation, it's like, holy cow, we found them. In other words... Um, there, there's several different perspectives when we can think of it. we're finding something. Uh, most of the time, if, if you're like me, when I say I found something, it's because I've lost it, I don't know where it is, and I'm looking frantically for it. There's um, other times when we say I found something, and, and it's not something at all we were looking for. It wasn't expected, but we discovered it. That's the kind of finding that Paul does here. See, if you, if you kind of think this through with me, Paul is arriving in Rome because he's a Roman citizen. We talked about this, how, how he said, I want to I defend my case before Caesar. So he was allowed to go to this area. This is the first time Paul's ever gone into Rome. Like As far as we know, we have no idea that Paul ever showed up there. We don't see any missionary journeys going in there. We don't see anything strategic that's happening towards planning churches and having Christians that know each other and are collecting together and meeting together. But they find Paul. They've heard about Paul when Paul didn't know about them. And, and for us, we may go, okay, that, it seems kind of normal. It, it's unexpected. You see, the gospel has gotten into people's lives, not just Paul's life, but just people's lives. And it's spreading. The news, the good news of Jesus Christ is reaching people, and it's multiplying. One person that gets saved tells someone else in their family. That family then disciples another family. And, and it's spreading in such a way that God shows Paul, right? Remember, he promised Paul that he was going to go there. And sometimes I think we, 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 we get nervous. Like when we feel like God's told us to do something, we show up nervous like he's not there yet. Does it make sense? We, we, we get a little tense about a conversation or we don't like what's getting ready to come. But, but then we show up and only to realize what? If God promised me that I needed to go here, if he instructed me, if he called me here, I should have already been trusting him that he was already working here as well. There's a gathering of Christians that are like, hey, you're Paul. And he's like, yeah, and who are you? You ever have somebody come up and know you and you don't know them? Doesn't that drive you crazy? Just like this earpiece is for me this morning. You see me keep messing with this? Yeah. Um, j just like that. I mean, it, it drives us crazy because like, we, we want to know who knows us. We want to understand kind of the whole thing. But, 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 but what Paul really got a great glimpse of and an encouraging glimpse of is the very first thing that we need to see this morning. That the gospel is always bigger than what you and I can accomplish. And the book of Acts tells us that clearly. The gospel is always bigger than what we can accomplish on our own. I mean, you think about it. Paul, as, as he's always thinking about, how do I tell the next person about Jesus? Here's people that he's never gone to yet. And, and in his mind, who is he? The one that Jesus called to take the news to the Gentiles? But yet he shows up there and people already know Jesus. And they're telling him, yeah, we know Christ. Not, not, a, not a confused version of the gospel. They're believers. So Paul, getting towards the end of his journey, getting towards the end of his life, 
What's one of the greatest encouragements? Through the Holy Spirit. Hey, Paul, as hard as you've worked, and, and, and that work was called, but, but it, it, the gospel didn't depend on your, your effort. It didn't depend on your sweat and your toil. It didn't depend on you to be perfect because the gospel is. So there's this amazing thing for us as Christians where we have to really take accurate stock of some things because we can make the mistake to go, hey, that's great, so that means I don't have to work as hard. I don't need to be as diligent. I don't have to be as faithful myself. You know, God will, God will, um, God will bring the gospel into my kids' lives regardless of how I live as a dad. See, that's a mistake. Because that denies the effectiveness of the gospel. That it transforms and it changes. And if we stand back like, you know, hey, that's great, God, you do your work. But, but, it's not, but it doesn't have to be through me. Then, okay, I'm just going to ask the question. Then how do I know that I'm really saved? Like if I, if I really don't, if I feel like, hey, I can back off this and not really be an active part, I can just acknowledge Jesus and say, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. Je- Jesus is alive, but, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't really say, okay, my life needs to be submitted to him. Do I really know the Lord? And Paul writes constantly about examining ourselves because we, we see through the Bible there's contradictions and, and, and just the words from our mouth aren't enough for salvation. It's the commitment of our heart. It's, it's, it's bending our will to Jesus and Him being Lord of our life. And, 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 and so much of Acts shows us these great illustrations of, okay, how did Paul show that he needed to live for Christ, not live for self? And in this scenario, it, it's, it's not telling Paul, hey, buddy, take a break. This is the encouragement to go, hey, what you've been called to, what you've been faithful to, it is real. It is right. And it is what God's up to. So there's, there, there's these great moments where I think we gotta, we got to think about these critical intersections. Because the, the gospel, I believe, is so true and so correct and so righteous. I, I do trust and I do know. I've got three sons. Um, I believe the gospel can completely captivate their eternity, their life, and, and, and it can capture their hearts. But if I'm not active in making disciples, then what I'm, trying, what I'm really saying is, all right, Lord, just redeem them because I'm not going to disciple them. And there's a critical intersection there where we have to say, yes, God, you can achieve so much more than I can, but you call me to be a part of your work. Being faithful in what you've called me to be is critical to really showing the fruit that I'm yours. Right? You've heard this. It's not by it's not by works we're saved, but but then we have this other we have this other set of conversation. As we continue working through the through the New Testament, where where, where is this, there's this great argument. Um, if you are saved, then then let me see your works. The works will be the evidence that you're saved. It's not the reason you're saved, but there will be works if you are saved. And we have to examine ourselves and look and go. Okay, are, are we are we being are, are we being affirmed in God's faithfulness? As we're faithful, or are we sitting back and saying, hey, there's this great movement happening, go get them, God. It's a big difference. Paul takes encouragement really in this right spirit. It says when, verse 16, when, when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Now, this, <laughs> this is, I don't, I don't know, all right, so I believe all of Scripture is inspired. And when I read this verse, I, I had to laugh 
Because have you ever had somebody in a conversation and you can tell they did not want to be in there? It's remarkable how many times that happens to me. I look at people's faces all the time and I'm like, yep, they don't want to be in this talk that I'm having with them. Like, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, you, you can kind of get that. Well, here's this, here's this Roman soldier, okay? And, and there's a little bit of this that, that continues even right until the very end of this chapter. How, how does God work sometimes? <clears throat> we don't know if this Roman soldier ever became a Christian. But... From the moment that he was assigned to look after Paul, he had to be in the house with him for these two years that he's on basically house arrest. It's a rented house. It's, it's not that shabby. Um, they're living there fairly comfortably. People are going in and out. But, but his job now, as, as a Roman soldier, as, and this is, a, this is a job that he would have aspired to. This came with great pay and benefits. This came with great honor for your family. But he is literally chained to Paul. I mean, he's, he's right there linked to Paul all the time. He can't get away from it. And, and there, are, there, there, was no, um, there were no earbuds at this point in history. Okay, There was no put your headphones on and drown out what this guy's talking about. You can't hum all day long. He has no other option but to sit and listen to, to not just the teaching about Jesus, but the millions of questions that came in the house about Jesus. He got to see people go, man, that person, that person sat and listened, but they just walked away. Why, Why did they walk away? When somebody came in and said, you know, I don't, I don't think this can be true. Surely this is not the life that, that this Jesus would call me to live. He heard the question. He heard Paul present his own life story, and, and he witnessed this for over, over two years. And sometimes I just think it almost kind of seems like it's a little bit of a God sense of humor when, 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 there's a, when there's somebody who isn't really actively seeking him and then just, boom, out of the blue, a Christian gets transferred onto their cubicle area and they just get put right beside them. And God's like, all right, if you're not looking for me, just going to whisper in, I'm still looking for you, right? And it just, they get to be there and present during conversations. Sometimes I, I think we, we just look at, um, where our classroom is on the hallway or where our desk is in a classroom or, or, or where we work, um, or the friends that we live around, the neighbors that we have, we kind of think it's all this cosmic accident of circumstance. And if the gospel is always bigger than what we accomplish, then, then why don't we assume that the most aggravating person that's beside us was actually put there by God for the purpose of needing to listen <clears throat> and having to listen for a period of time. It's kind of crazy. Some of y'all are looking at each other like, mm, that, that might just be what's going on. We might, yeah, <clears throat> trust me, we all have these moments. Verse 17, um, it says, after three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. Man, that's faithful, okay? So if you haven't caught the rhythm yet, just flip back through Acts. Google if you want to. If you don't want to really flip through the pages, just Google it. How many times did Paul get rejected by Jews? He was told, listen, follow this process. Take the gospel to the Jews first. That, that, that's the, the people of God. That's the people that God called out to belong to him. Take it to them first, and, and then take it ultimately to the Gentiles. And, and there, were, there, were, there were those from the Jewish faith that believed. Hey, they had the God background, right? Like They had the religious history. There were some that believed, heard and believed, but so many times these were the people that abused Paul the worst and the people that seemed like they would never accept God open their heart to a radical news that, that there is a God that loves them so much that he pursued them and came after them. 
And, and Paul, once again, already in chains, almost like, hey, God, I'm already in jail. Like, can I just skip the Jews this time? I mean, can I just, can I pass over the, the beating and the attitude again? Just so faithfully, Paul calls them together and speaks to them first, just like he had been instructed to so many times. It says, when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, he, he still saw them as the people that he needed to speak to in love. Um, have, you, have you ever noticed there, there, there's an endurance that we often have as believers? Does that make sense? You, you, you deal with something long enough, and then you're like, oh no, not today. I just found the end of the rope. And I'm not hanging on. I let go. And I'm going to go off with both hands now. Right? Have you ever, you ever gotten there? Man, no, y'all haven't really. Y'all are way more spiritual than me. We ought to reverse spots sometimes. So, as 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 he as he said to them, brothers, what what, what is the, what's the ev- what's one of the evidence? We talked about Paul's ways, right? Because it's not just our words that, that's supposed to really share the gospel and make disciples. It's it's the ways of our life, the things that people see in us over time. The fact that he can still look at them and find relationship, and find commonality, and he hasn't started to push them off, going. So many of you have pushed me back for so long, I'm just not going to deal with you. He still looks at him and goes, brothers, people that I can identify with, people that I have a commonality, people that I, that, that I, that I would consider family that need this same love, this same grace that I've received. Although I have done nothing against our people or customs or our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and to speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. It's funny because... um, they, they've been here now, they, they, they weathered, they shipwrecked, remember, they ran, their, they ran the boat ashore, they were shipwrecked, they wintered for three months, now they're finally making it to Italy. This, if Paul was so guilty, remember he was imprisoned by these Jews that wanted to accuse him, if he was so wrong about what he was doing, why wasn't there a collection of representatives waiting on him, foot tapping? All right, you're here now, now it's time to settle this. But you know what it really was? They knew they didn't have a case. They so knew they didn't have a case, they didn't even send anybody to show up at the court date. We have no record that in two years anybody ever showed up from Jerusalem saying, this is the proof that Paul's wrong. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, what's, what's, the, what's the worst charge of the gospel? That no sin is too great for salvation? That nobody should be unloved? That we shouldn't be generous people. Right? I think Mike made a comment on, um, at D-Life this week. Um, he used a quote, um, I believe you said it was Billy Graham, I think, that said, um, it, it, even, if I, even if the gospel is not true, um, this is still the best life to live. Right? But, but we know that the gospel is true, which makes it both. And, and no one ever showed up. Um, verse 21, it says, Then they said to him, We haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers have come and and responded 
or spoken anything evil against you. Now, catch verse 22. This is, this is crazy because they said, we don't have any idea about what you're talking about. However, but we want to hear what your views are since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect. In other words, this is their response. We don't have any clue what happened in the drama that you're talking about. Whatever you were in jail for, remember the two years where he felt like he had nothing to show for it? Um, it we, we don't have any idea what anything that's about, but we really do want to hear kind of what your baseline philosophy is because, man, you guys are being taught. I mean, people are talking junk about you guys everywhere. Like, the news has spread. Like, nobody really loves you guys. Now, sometimes I think, we, we hear this statement, or we hear something similar in our culture. We, we kind of hear this message, or you, you, I mean, you ever heard somebody stand up and say, oh, just Christians are hated, and you hear that, and you're like, oh, we're hated. Like, and it's like this give up moment, okay? All right, and we're going to see in, in, in just a moment why, um, why Paul's message would be talked about, because... Um, as, as Christians, we're supposed to live Jesus' life, and Jesus' communication life was truth in what? Grace. Not absence of grace, but not absence of truth. Not bless her heart kind of truth. Truth wrapped in grace. In other words, the grace that it's wrapped in is the love for the gospel, for the love for God and the love of others that we have as we communicate. But ultimately, at the end of the day, this statement is true. It's still true. Many times the truth still hurts. And hurts offend, and offenses cause people to walk away. Okay? So, so we'll, we'll, track, we'll track what he says in a second, because it's like, I feel like, mm, yeah, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't have hung around for that either, right? Like, if I wasn't called by God, I don't know that I would have hung around for that statement. But, but as they say this, I want you to consider something. Here's two, two phrases that Jesus gave to his disciples. Matthew chapter 24, he says that you will be hated by all nations because of my name. He tells them, he said, listen, there will not be a people group on this earth that in their rejection of God's love won't despise your message. Because what does the gospel say? It's the good news about Jesus, right? But it's the good news in light of what? This thing called sin. Anybody in here want to just confess all your sin right now? Anybody? Online, you can just email us. You're not even here. We can just read it out loud, right? When you go, no, 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 I want to do that. We don't even like to have just one thing said, hey, you didn't do this. We want to jump to our defense at any call on that, right? We, we don't want to be told that we're wrong. You, you, we, there is no good news of the gospel without the bad news of sin and condemnation. It's the good news in response to what our sin is. So we can't leave it out of the conversation. And, and, if, and if someone's sin is ever pointed out, there's going to be resistance. In fact, I would argue if their heart isn't humble and, and isn't searching for an answer to their sin, it could go definitely into what this word Jesus used, which is hatred. He also says this in Luke chapter 6, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Well, that, there's a flip side of it. 
Man, if, if everybody if everybody says you're the greatest person, if, if all that's ever said is compliments, then maybe that reveals we haven't shared enough of the gospel. That's a little different perspective. Because we want compliments, right? We want to be well thought of. But if the people that are closest to us only, and, and others that are at, then, then kind of, in, I mean, think about it as circles. The, the, the people that are the, the closest to you, the, the Acts 1-8 philosophy, um, when he says that you're going to be my witnesses um, in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other parts of the earth, as, as the circles go out, if in some circle somebody doesn't go, hey, I don't, I don't like them, then, then it could be even from, we think it's always got to be something bad we did, but maybe it's even from that we haven't been so clear about the gospel message that we haven't run the risk of offending anybody. Now, when I say run the risk of offending anybody, please don't go home and say, all right, this is my day for social media. I'm going to put it out there. No, no. Face-to-face conversations, right, folks? We got to be face-to-face conversations on gospel level issues. We can give, we can put kind of, Good messages out there, but if we're going to really deal with somebody, we got to be we got to be with that person. So if if Jesus affirms that people could could look unfavorably on us, is that what it means? Well, I mean, if anything, that should have given Paul confidence. Well, maybe it means um, that if people everywhere are speaking against this 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 way, this Christian movement, maybe that means that it's failing. Well. And by Luke's own writing, I would argue it this way. You ready? Um, Acts 2 says the Lord was adding to their number day by day those that were being saved. Acts 6, the disciples were increasing in number. Again, later in Acts 6, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of disciples continued to increase. Acts 11, um, the hand of the Lord was with them and large numbers who believed turned to the Lord. Acts 12, the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. Acts 16, the churches were increasing in number daily. Not, not just individual people, but the gatherings. It, there, there was such multiplication that they were noticing that the groupings of people were multiplying. That's, that's huge growth. Acts 19, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Acts 19, later in that chapter, the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. The news of Luke and Acts is, hey, the gospel's doing great. Like the kingdom's growing. This is good. There's a, there's a movement that's undeniable. So guess what? If, if things are said against Christianity or if they're said against certain Christians, we can't just jump to the negative. It may be that we were just clear enough. Or it may just be that there's evidence that there's a spiritual battle, that there's real growth in the kingdom, but Satan doesn't want it. You know, in America, we just, we just straight up talk drunk, junk about other churches. It's just not, I mean, it's, it's sinful, really. It, it, it's, it's really sinful. We, we, we shouldn't have the conversations that we have about different churches and different Christians. It's, it's just not right. We should either talk to someone because we have a relationship with them, or we should be part of um, a, a accountability level change. And I would argue in America, it's not even the conversations on the outside of us that are really killing us. It's the conversations on the inside of us. And the Holy Spirit's not growing those. That's, that's a spiritual battle. That's us giving battle over to, over to our enemy, Satan. Now, I told you I was going to say something that Paul said, and, and this might be where some people said, mm, we're going to talk about you. You ready for it? After arranging a day with him, 
many came to him. That, that, that's, that's the process of what would happen here. So Paul was on house arrest. Paul could not just go shopping as when he wanted to. Um, he was able to move around some, but, but Paul was on a tight schedule. He could not gather a group of people to preach. Um, he couldn't go teach 1,000 or 500 or 100. Um, really what had to happen were Paul could see really an endless number of people, but by appointment only. Okay? We, we, you tracking with that? By, by appointment only. So people would arrange a day. They would arrange a time with him, and, and I love that. They said, we're going to arrange a day because we can't get, you, you just can't, you can't Google your faith, right? You can't just pop a question, get an answer, and then go on. It takes time. It takes conversations. So they would arrange a day. And, and many came to him at his lodging from dawn till dusk. He expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus um, from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave. After Paul made one statement, Here's his statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understand. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. See, this is a very specific audience that he said this to. It was the Jewish audience. So, so here's generally the conversation. Hey, God has laid a foundation for thousands and thousands of years for you to know him. But, but unfortunately, God sees your heart, and he sees that you've grown unwilling to listen. But if you would just listen and really open your ears, and not just your ears, but let the sound that comes through them go into your heart and into your soul. If you would let God's word into that level, then he would redeem you. It's, it's a guaranteed relationship. And at the moment that people heard, you're going to have to be humble enough to be willing to change, so man, let's shut this thing down. Some people just were ready to shut it down. And, and, and do you see it? Do you, do you, see, do you see how the Holy Spirit is, is, is by God calling people into salvation, but inevitably it will divide the room? None of this was ever meant to make us run from gospel ministry. But understanding it is going to help us in every conversation we get into. I mean, think about it this way. If, 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 you're, if you're just at work this week, and, and as you are trying to figure out how in my ways and with my words to share Christ, and, and as you do that, you start to see people's faces kind of change, and, and some people you can tell they're starting to shut you down and, and start to tune you out, but some people are kind of leaning into the conversation. All of a sudden, what you're seeing is not just casual listeners and intentional listeners. You're seeing the Holy Spirit at work. Drawing, convicting, and, and allowing people to hear. And, and it's an invitation to just follow where he's showing you to go. So many times I think we're so worried about the people that are starting to shut us down, and we forget about the person that's actually leaning in, that the Holy Spirit's going, yep, that's the one today. Like, that's him, that's her. So continue. Not with a, you know, bull in a china shop approach, but just 
truth, grace, truth, grace, truth, grace. So I'm, I'm getting ready to read these last two verses, and, and this is, and I, I told you, the most unfortunate ending, it seems like, to any book of the Bible. At the beginning of this book, there, were, um, there, were wind, there was wind that made it feel like it was an earthquake. There was fire that was visible. The Holy Spirit came into people. Language was were being spoken. People were hearing the gospel in their own language from people that were not educated enough to know their language. It's been miraculous growth and hard work growth. And all of this is happening. Here's the conclusion. Last two verses. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house and he welcomed all who visited him proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and all boldness without hindrance. That's it? Like that's the big culmination? Like I get it, without hindrance. In other words, the Holy Spirit continued to allow him to minister and that's, that's phenomenal because it shows that it's God's work and, and he'll move obstacles that are in front of us. But, but that's it? You know there's four to five years after he was released from this that, that we know some things? There's, there's really trusted historical references that Paul went at least to Spain. There's some people that through certain things believe that he may, he may have made it as far as France or England. We don't know. Like, where are those details? Like, where, like where's the thing that says, hey, we won. Here's how we won. You know why this is not a punctuation mark? It's a comma. Because this has continued to go into this. And as we leave out of doors, it continues on. There is no end to this until we see Jesus face to face. This is what we're up to. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Now, there's a lot of other stuff that happened. There's a lot of conversations. There's all letters that Paul wrote during the time that he was in this rented house for a couple of years. And, and I'm going to read just a, a few verses out of Colossians just to kind of wrap up, hopefully, um, a good direction for us, really thinking about the bigness of the kingdom in the book of Acts. Um, Carter, come on up here. This is my youngest son, Carter. Um, Carter's getting ready to have a birthday in November, so if you're looking for presents, you're looking for kids to support, this is the one right here, right? <laughs> now, Carter um, is wearing a Liberty University hoodie. We were at Liberty University's homecoming yesterday. Um, and they've had a ton of events going on. It's the big 50th anniversary. Uh, it's really, really, really good time. First play of the game, um, Liberty, let me just, Liberty, Jesus is doing some stuff at Liberty. they got a top five nationally ranked quarterback going to the NFL. This is going to be fun to watch um, somebody that just, I, I, man, my prayer is for this guy is, man, the Lord has captured this heart, and he gets in there, and he just blows it up in the NFL, and he just keeps talking about Jesus every time they stick a microphone in front. But his, his name's Malik Willis. Um, first, um, first drive, he hits this guy on a pass to the end zone that we're freaking out over because it's like, holy cow, like that's the perfect pass. Like, how do you throw that? And, it, and he's out there playing, not like the happy feet quarterback. Malik is out there like, this is easy. Take the ball, run that way. I might, no, let me go, no, let me go backwards 30. Let me run 70 this way. I mean, like Malik looks like he's having fun out there, right? So we're at the game, and... We're just, I think both of us are pretty much in awe of, of his talent as a quarterback. Now, we could leave the game, and I can say, hey, Carter, you, you like Malik? You like what he did? Yeah, okay, here's a football, man. Go get to it. And, and what's my expectation of him? Is my expectation of him to go walk out onto that field and, and, and be that quality quarterback? 
right? You know this is my son because he's already like, I'm going to throw a spiral right now so bad from stage. I got you, man. I'm feeling you. It's like this is my time. You got two wide receivers, former high school wide receivers back there. I bet you one of them will break out into a route right now if you want to. Um, so, so here's what happens. If, if I hand him that, and his expectation is, okay, my dad must think that, that I need to go out and be Malik Willis. Like i got to be this level quarterback. And in his mind, he's going, there is no way that, that, that I can do those things well, I guess I just don't do anything, right? I mean, because what's the alternative, right? Go out on the field and get killed by six-foot-eight linemen? You don't want to die that way, right? No. But, but here's the thing. Those assumptions, whose assumptions were they? Carter's. I just said, hey, here's the ball. Here, go play. Go have fun. If his assumptions are, I have to be that, then, then what kind of discouragement sneaks into his life? Because here's the thing. Carter's a sixth grader at Cornerstone Charter School. So that's his playground. That's where he has to go out and dominate and, 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 and be moss during that game on the playground and, and, and do all that stuff with the football. That, that's where he's got to go. And, and he can go out there and he can play because those are his peers and those are guys he knows and and, and, and he can go out and have fun with them, and he can have successes and failures, and, and he can do his thing out there, because why? That's where his season of life has him. That's his place. Thank you, sir. After next service, I might let you, it's not on camera, so I might let you throw it. Please don't make the mistake that when you read Acts, what you're supposed to take from all this is, I got to be Paul, I got to be Paul. Because Paul already had his season. Paul went into cultures that had never heard the gospel. Paul went into Jewish circles that knew God that wanted no part of the Messiah, the real true Messiah. So what are we left with? What, what do we do when we're handed the ball like Carter was? And, and, and what, what, what do we do? I'm going to read this to you out of Colossians. Um. Colossians chapter 1 is, is verses 24 through 29. It says, uh, this is Paul's, man, I don't even know what to call this. Um, it's not an introduction. Um, it's not his testimony. It's, I don't even know this is, this is his whole ministry philosophy. I don't know if this is just him looking in the mirror and saying, hey, this is who I see God has called me to be. I, I don't know what to call it, but, but I think the four parts of it really ring true for us. He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. I have become, a, I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you. So how did, how did Paul see his call? Number one, it's not about me. He said here, he said, I have, um, I rejoice in my sufferings, the difficulty of life I can find joy in. I can, I can go into the body and see what's, what's lacking and what's hurting and I can minister there. And I, and I can serve, not because I want to be thought of as, as a good person, but because that's God's commission given to me for you. See, when, when God calls us, to do something, it's, it's for him, right? It's, it's, it's an honor of him. It's to his glory. 
but it will ultimately direct us to someone, to a need that's there. So to maintain the perspective that we need to make on a daily basis, we have to start with, Lord, um, it it is about you, and, and it will be for others, but it's not about me. I can't be number one and be faithful at the same time. It's an impossibility. Now, it was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but not revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said, what what is the purpose? What what, what is the reason for all this? I've got to make the glory of God known, the gospel known. And and he refers to it as a mystery. So in other words, um, as as you and I have conversations with people, there will be be information, sometimes direct from the word, sometimes um, shown in our own life, but it's something unknown or unperceived to them that, that would be classified as mystery-level information. They don't have a full picture of it yet, and God wants to use us to help reveal it to them in the way that he allows us to. So, so we have a message to take into somebody's life. It's not casual relationships and conversations. It's, it's, it's intentional and it's specific. So we have this message Verse 29, we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Um, There's not just a message, there's always going to be a people. And if you don't look around you and see and and, and really are aware of who is it really that needs the ministry of my life, then, then maybe there's a call coming to you, maybe there's just an awareness that needs to be awakened. Or maybe it's, maybe it's what's inside of us that grows so fast that those vines of pride and selfishness that need to get out so that we can see. There's always a people. Um, for, for, for Malik at Liberty, it's, it's a college football season. The example I use over here for Carter, it's, it's, it's sixth grade guys at a middle school. So don't worry so much about the size of the crowd or who you may be called to Jesus has this great way of working out those proportionalities and it being something that that through his strength we can always handle, we can always be faithful in. When you feel like my crowd is too much, even if that crowd is one person or a hundred people, typically I find either I'm when it seems like it's too much, I'm either relying on my strength or I'm looking or or I've assumed a number that's not for me. Like that example I used. And, and my number is, is much smaller and much more, um, much more realistic in where God has me. Finally, in verse 29, he says, I labor for this, striving, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. So he started with, it's not about me. I have this message, this mystery, this, uh, this opportunity to, re- to reveal something to someone that will help them grow in their faith. There's going to be a person, a people that that's going to be aimed at. And then, then what does he come back with ultimately? Oh, that's right. It's not about me. It's not about what I can get done. It's about what Jesus can do through me. We have um, in our church family um, some of the greatest people that I've ever had the grace to know. Um. But I'm going to say this about our church, and, and I, I, I'm going to even say that I believe that it holds true practically in all churches. 
if we will go through even just a small season in life where we really all just surrender and, and, and realize the magnitude of what the strength of Jesus can get done through us, we'll never look at our lives the same way again. I say that because so much of what we get done is in fact in our own strength. Because some people are just high capacity. They can just get a lot done. And you see a lot done all the time. And I see a lot get done all the time. But, but have we started with really this seeking of the Lord to say, Lord, this is not about me. So let me remove all my assumptions of what this is supposed to look like and just really seek you for, for Lord, the people and, and the mystery that needs to be revealed. And now, as I've got a glimpse of that, now I'm going to go be faithful in that. And, and whatever you prompt me to do, I'm just, I'm just going to simply do that. Man, the things that will start and launch and will happen will amaze us. Because God is amazing. I'm not sitting here telling you that I think our church or any other church is bad. I'm just saying that after 28 chapters of Acts, if we think we experience the fullness all the time, I just think we're mistaken. I just think Acts screams to us, there's more, there's more. And, and man, if we, if, we think, if we think we have to get it done or, or we think it's all on us or we just, we have to be aware, we got to look, we got to see, we got to listen, we got to hear. And find these critical intersections where we do realize, yes, God, you're, you're bigger than what I can get done. I have, to, I have to trust you for all those things that are really bigger than me. But also, Lord, I've got I to be, be the part you call me to be. Because it may be through me. I don't, again, I, I used the example earlier. Um, I, don't, I don't want Carter redeemed, rescued later in life. I want him discipled now. And who am I to say as his dad that somebody else is responsible for that? We have to always look, and that's the kingdom, to look and just see where has God called us. Would you mind just bowing your heads for just a second? Like I, I told you, man, I mean, this Acts chapter 28, it, does, like, it doesn't end with this just kind of nice, neat, put together, wrapped present with a bow on top. Like it, it, it ends with just this, Yes, and now, repeat. Yes, and now, continue. And what I really hope that you've seen in just this last section of this chapter are just these in, in, incredible things that are, that are revealed to Paul, in Paul, and through Paul. That, that the gospel is bigger so we know that the gospel is going to save people. It's, it's a true message about Jesus. But we got to come back and ask the question, so, so Lord, who do I share that with? What are the ways of my life that are going to show that? When, when, when we get discouragement that flows into us, and, and we hear this message, somebody stands face to face and says, yeah, somebody said something about you. This is the news that's being repeated. We can't assume that that's a sign of defeat it may itself be evidence that what is going on is the right thing especially if it's gospel centered that it's going to divide saved and unsaved 
it's going to call. But when someone is not called and their heart is hard, it, it, it stands possible to offend. And that offense may even cause someone to walk away. And this is real grown-up stuff in Acts 28. And ultimately, what, what do we got to do? If we, just, if we get nothing else right this week, Lord, it's not about me. There's a message, Jesus, about you that I can communicate. Show me who. And Lord, again, remind me it's not about me. It's, it's, it's you that must do this. I, I need to rely and live in your strength because mine isn't enough. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm frustrated. But I'm not out. I'm not out. Lord, as we sit here this morning, God, the call of the gospel is true that any of anyone that, Lord, senses their, your call on their life to salvation. Lord, I pray that this morning that they'll come forward. They'll seek someone after this service to find out how they can be saved. But Lord, for us, Lord, help us to hear and know that this message is true. No matter how we may feel, Lord, if we're saved and redeemed, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. We're not out. So God, help us. Because it's for us in this season of life to continue the heart of what you started in the church at Acts. God, the church that you designed, that you built, that, Lord, will work everywhere on this planet in any group of people. Lord, Lord, but help it not just work here, Lord. Help it thrive and flourish and help us to experience you, God, in a way we've never done that before. But, Lord, we're not going to experience you by God just continuing in just the things that we want to do all the time and not, Lord, really turning to you and seeking you and realizing that, that it may be me that's living in my strength or someone else. So, God, just help us. Show us. Lead us. And, God, through your grace, help us be so, so committed to follow. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand back up to your feet? During this time of service, if there's anything at all that you would like to pray over, please don't assume that what, what, what someone else may think. If it's a need on your heart, um, we're here this morning. We'll, I'll be up front, and some other people will be around to be able to pray with you if you'd like. Um, just, just be faithful in what God calls you to do.